Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. Sit, walk, and stand. And so what we have done is we've been looking at for these first three weeks, and we're going to wrap it up this morning for this first idea of what it means to sit. And what does that mean? To, to sit is this idea that we are seated under the authority of Jesus Christ. And this is our identity. Would you all say the word identity? Identity. There's a lot of things that this world is trying to tell us that define us of who we are. But what we know for those of us in Christ Jesus, that we're accepted, we're significant, and we are secure in Christ and Christ alone. Amen, church? And so that is that first idea of what it means to sit. The second word that we're going to be looking at beginning next week is this whole idea of walking. And that we're going to be looking at how we can walk out the faith of being followers of Jesus Christ. And this is how we're going to live lives of unity. We live in a very divided world. There's a lot of people going a lot of different directions. They're telling you where you need to go, what you need to do, what you need to wear, what you can't wear. And for us to be united, uh, it's going to take for us to be walking together by faith. And finally, the last one's going to be standing. And this is really Ephesians chapter 6. We realize that the challenges that we have in this world are really not of flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of the dark world. And we know that Ephesians chapter 6 talks about this spiritual reality that we just need to be aware of. I want to remind you that, that, that the things that we look at now on this earth, they're temporary. But the perspective that we have as believers is that of being an eternal difference, everyone. So in, in, in the sixth chapter, we're going to be looking at a little bit of the spiritual dynamic in the warfare that is happening right now. But as we've been looking at each week, there have been some things that we have been focusing in on. On the first week as identity, and it's on your notes, by the way, is that we're accepted and that we're secure and we're significant. On the second week, we looked at the big idea of this, is that we have a lot more in common than we realize. That unity is found in our commonality, that we are from the same place, Centerville, USA, right? And we've all gotten there the same way, and that we have the same purpose, and that is to live our lives for somebody greater than ourselves. And it's for the glory of the one and only Savior, Jesus Christ. And then last week, and I just want to give props where props are due, Pastor Bruce shared a great message last Last week. He's right down here to my left. To your right. What do you think, Pastor Bruce, with me for his message last week? And I need to tell you that in the role that I'm in with all of the moving parts and changes and transitions and just things that are going on, I cannot tell you what a blessing it is to have a guy like Bruce to be walking closely with me and to come in and not just fill the pulpit but do a great job partnering in the ministry uh, here. And I just want to say, love you, Bruce. Appreciate you. Uh, there was a big word, and the word last week was remember. So I'm remembering you right now, right? So we remembered, and here's the big idea last week, that we have been brought near to God through Christ. That there was a time that we were distant from Him through our sin, through our, our, our separation from Him. But through Jesus Christ, He has brought us closer 
to him. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to, I wanted to blame you for something, Bruce. And here it is, is that you said something last week that completely messed up my message for this week, right? I had a lot of things figured out and then you screwed it up, buddy. Okay. So let me share with you how you screwed it up for me right here in Ephesians chapter two, verses 19 to 20. I've underlined what you screwed up for me. Okay. Here we go. Consequently, Bruce, right? Okay, no, I'm done. Okay, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. We, we went through this last week. Verse 20. Built on the foundation of the apostles, prophets, with Jesus Christ himself as the chief. Everyone say cornerstone. cornerstone. Next verse. In him, the whole building is joined together and it rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. You see, in, in this passage, there are these themes that if we don't understand these themes correctly, we're going to miss out on Ephesians chapter 3. And this is all about our identity. I don't know if you notice that or not, but uh, when, we, when, we, when we start looking through this, we, we have these ideas of citizenship and being members, being a part of a lineage of like all-stars, like the prophets and Jesus and, and the disciples. We're a part of this. And we, meaning our identity is in Christ, but then the second part of it is that we are the church. We just got done singing that. We are the church. And we're, we're the house of the Lord. We're, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're being built together and God is doing something incredible. And so last week, this imagery of the temple in Israel came front and center. So uh, a couple of months ago, February of this year, had the opportunity to go to Israel. I think it was my fifth or sixth time there. And and when we go there in the future, which is going to be in either next year or the year after that, um, we, we're going to get to go to a museum. And this museum has a recreation of what Jerusalem would have looked like 2,000 years ago at the time of Christ. And so uh, from my iPhone, I've got a picture of the temple coming up right here. It looks kind of cool, right? Maybe not what you were expecting, but um, to, because I want you to know that like we're, we really spare no expense at Bethany Church. I've got a laser pointer. Okay, I want you to see this right here, okay? So let me point out to you what is happening here. And and by the way, for those of you over there, I'm going to move over here as well. And I'm going to show you over here as well, okay? But I don't want... For those of you watching online, you have no idea what I'm doing right now. All right, so (laughs) this is... This right here would be in the old city of Jerusalem. By the way, 2,000 years ago, there was no old city. There was just the city of Jerusalem. And when you are, when you're looking at the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall, it would be the location closest to what it would have been the Holiest of Holies. Now, this location right here would have been the location from which there would have been a veil. And inside of there would have been a place where, where the Spirit of God, the Ark of the Covenant would have been there. And once a year, the great high priest would come to the Holiest of Holies and, and the great high priest would have a sacrifice to atone for the sins of a nation. Does that make sense, everyone? So that was happening in this spot right here, but only one person could go into that spot. How many people could go into that spot once a year? One. Okay. Inside of this area right here, this is what would have been called the Jewish court. That would have been where people of Jewish descent could have gone. Now, you're going to notice that there's quite a few barriers between this spot right here and the holies of holies right there. And the only way that you could get into that location would have been by your Jewish heritage. And by the way, um, it is still to this day a, a quarantine spot. We don't have the temple there anymore, but if you've ever seen the dome that is there, the, the gold, you know, the dome, that is the location of where this is. This would have been the ancient 
um, mountain of Moriah. And this would have been the temple of the Lord. Now, outside of the holies of holies and where the Jewish people could hang out would have been the Gentile courts. This would have been where Herod would have hung out right here. This would have been where the Roman uh, world would have kept guard. They would have shot down at people right there to keep everyone in place. But what I'm trying to say is, is you have a wall. Inside of the wall, you've got barriers and barricades. This is where non-Jewish people could hang out in the Gentile courts. The Jewish people could hang out here. And inside this location right here would have been where the sacrifices would have been at the temple of the Lord. Now, I bring up all of that to say that that Jesus, when he came, uh, he um, uh, he didn't like this arrangement. He, he, he came, as you might remember, first to the Jews and then to who everyone, the Gentiles. And the reason why he came first to the Jews was to fulfill Scripture. But then he then moved to the Gentiles because the Jews did what? They rejected him. And so when Jesus, multiple times, not only... Um, uh, you know, like right after, like he starts his ministry, but at the very end, like right, like the Passion Week, we have stories in every one of the Gospels where Jesus will enter into this area, and and this is just one snapshot of an example. Luke chapter 19, when Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out these who were selling trinkets and sacrifices and profiting, and he said, "It is written that my house will be a what everyone a house of." prayer. He said, but you've made it into a den of robbers. Sometimes we, we read those, um, those phrases and I'm just going to underline one right there. And you think to yourself, of course, the, the temple is going to be a house of prayer. What did Jesus mean by that? I'm so glad that you asked Bethany. Okay. This is what he was doing. He was fulfilling the prophet Isaiah, who was a messianic prophet, meaning he was somebody that was foretelling of the future Christ, who's Jesus. And this is what Isaiah says. He says, I will bring to my holy mountain, by the way, Moriah in Jerusalem, and I'll give them joy in my what everyone? House of prayer. And their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house will be called what everyone? A house of prayer. But for how many people? All nations. Okay, pause there. So all of a sudden, you have the prophet Isaiah telling that there will be one, the Messiah, that will come and he will introduce that the temple is going to be a house of prayer, not just for Jewish people, but for how many people? All nations. So all of a sudden, we have Rabbi Jesus hanging out in the temple and he is looking at these barriers and he doesn't like it. He starts knocking down these barriers. And aren't we glad that he did that, church? Yes. Why? Because he created a bridge for us. He gave us access as sons and daughters of the Most High. And there's something significant happening here. He goes on to say, Sovereign Lord declares that he who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others to them besides those who are all red gathered. So what I'm trying to say is, is Jesus was doing something. He was saying something here. He was saying that the temple needs to be a place of unity. He entered into it as a place of division. He was wanting to bring people together. Whereas the culture at the time was trying to separate people apart from each other. And it's within this same context that we have the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. And they have divided themselves. They, they, they've divided themselves over um, what people are wearing, what people are eating, what people are drinking. They're dividing themselves over um, uh, how, how early they got into the Jesus Club, right? 
There's some people who their, 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 their ancestors were, were there at the day of Pentecost and there are others that just stopped worshiping an idol last week. And, and he is from a jail cell in Rome. He's hearing reports of a fractured church, of a, of a disunified church. And within this context, he evokes this idea that I need to share with all of us today. And that is, is that, that we're going to be unified in Christ Jesus. Period. And, and, and if we're not careful, we're gonna look for areas where we don't agree. We're gonna look for areas where we, where, where we might have a different preference or our priorities might be different. And if we're not careful, that's gonna become a point of pride and contention. And those are gonna be the things that divide instead of unite us. And there are things that God wants to do and only wants to do to make sure that we're on purpose. And that is, is like when people ask Jesus, what's the most important thing, Jesus? And Jesus would say stuff like this, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it, to love what? Your neighbor as yourself. Jesus, when he would when on this other mountain next to Moriah, the Mount of Olives, Jesus would look at Jerusalem and look at his disciples, and he would say to himself, he would say to himself, well, "That's funny. I have a, I've got an alarm going off." Um, he would say to himself, he would say, um, "When I'm gone and I'm going to leave, and he's going to ascend into heaven, he will say, I want you to go and make disciples of how many nations? All nations." And I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And by the way, I want you to teach them all things. I want you to teach them everything so that they may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. So, so Jesus is on a mission from God, literally. And he is, his goal is to unite the church under his name. And in this, we have this context for today's passage. Let me read it for you. Just a couple of verses. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10 to 21. His intent was that now through what everyone? The church. Okay, that's us, by the way. Smile. You're the church, right? So Paul's writing to us through the church. The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities of the heavenly realms. That's powerful stuff. That's Ephesians 6 stuff right there, by the way. We'll get to that in a couple weeks. According to the eternal purpose. How long is the purpose, church? It's eternal. There's something bigger that we're being grafted into here. In addition to the eternal purpose that accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in Him and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Just think about that. Before, if you're a Jewish person, you got to go through all these barriers. you got to go through all of these walls. You have to go through all of these different locations. But now Paul is saying is, is we can now approach the throne of grace with freedom. We can approach Him with confidence. I ask you, therefore, do not be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. For this reason, he says, I kneel before the Father, meaning I'm praying for you, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives this name. I pray that out of the glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power throughout his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray, and I love this, that you being rooted and established in love. Listen to this next verse. It's so beautiful. That you may have the power. Let's all say the word together. That has something to, so let's all say it together. Yeah. yeah, we are unified with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and deep the love of Christ is. And that you would know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled with the measure of all fullness of God. And then it gets better. Once you think it can't get any better, listen to what he says next. So now, 
to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine according to His power that's at work where, where everyone? Within us. Within us. To Him be glory in the church and Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Church, say amen. amen. Let's pray. So Lord God, Your Word is Your Word. This is Your revealed truth about who You are and what we should be doing here on earth until we see You one day. Not because of anything we've done, but because of who You are, Jesus Christ. So I pray for these just next couple of moments that our focus would be on You, who You say that we are, what we should be doing, and for Your glory eternally. Would we be a unified church? Would you help us to see where there may be some barriers? Would you allow us to break those down and build bridges so that others can have access to you, Jesus? It's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray this church. Amen. Amen. There are three words, there are three ideas that I want to share with you. I got some fill in the blanks I still got to give you, right? All right. So if you're taking notes, if you would write this down. The first one is this, is that the big idea is that our identity is in Christ and this is going to lead to um, the unity of who we are. Who we are in Jesus Christ, this is our identity. And number one, if you would, Rob, go ahead into the spiritual authority slide. That this is the spiritual authority that we have in Jesus Christ. This is what Scripture clearly says. Let me share with you where I get this idea. That His intent was that you, through Jesus Christ through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. Guys, the church is Jesus' idea. Jesus said these words. Go, go to the next slide, please. That I will build, what everyone? My church. Now, pause right there. Whose church is this? Jesus. This is His church. This isn't our church. This is whose church? Jesus. And he says, I will build my church. And then he gives you a descriptor. He says, and the gates of Haiti will not overcome it. It's a pretty powerful word. See, there's a form of spiritual authority church that we sometimes forget all about. I sometimes look at us going through life. We go through the situations and circumstances of life. And I think if we're not careful, we can become passive. We can become, um, uh, we can uh, be afraid. Uh, and and we'll, we'll miss out on the authority that he wants us to have. Let me give you an example. For those of us that are familiar with the Jesus story, he called these, these, these people to follow him. They were called his disciples. Um, the Talmudine of Christ. And these disciples... If you remember, they had a way of, of, of kind of not always getting it all the time. Do you remember that? Like, like Jesus would tell them like, Hey, like you should trust me. You should believe me. And then like the next chapter, they like, they don't believe in him and they don't trust him. Remember that? Like, and they just kind of had this bad case of spiritual amnesia. And, and something significant happened in the disciples' life. They went from being the kind of guys who would deny Jesus three times in one evening to being willing to die for him. And the difference of what happened, church, was called the day of Pentecost. And that was the day after Jesus defeated death, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and the Holy Spirit came down upon the church. That day, the power of God 
was released beyond the holiest of holies into the people of God. Can I hear a minute of that, everyone? And so, so what happens is, is we forget that we have a clear advantage to the disciples in the first century. Sometimes we, we wrongly think, gosh, it would have been so much easier if I could have just been there with Jesus. It would have been so much easier because he would have just been teaching me and I could have followed him. Friends, I need you to know that those disciples did not have the Holy Spirit in their life until the day of Pentecost. And now we, through the power of God, have the same spirit in our lives that resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead. You guys catch that? So we are, we have this like, this distinct advantage to be able to live with a, a form of spiritual authority that even in the, even in the gospels, those disciples didn't have until after the day of Pentecost. Why do I, I share this with you is because friends, we are sons and daughters of the most high God. We, we are, we have been deployed as disciples of Jesus into this land. We are his ambassadors as if Christ is pleading his case through us. Why everyone? Because he is. And I just think that sometimes we forget the authority that we have in Christ Jesus. And we don't need to be afraid. And if you're struggling with fear, I need you to know the reason that you're struggling with fear is because you're forgetting the authority of who you are in Jesus Christ. You're accepted, you are secure, and you're significant. And the Lord has greater plans than we could ever hope or imagine. Do you believe that, church? Number two, if you would write this down, not only do we have a spiritual authority, but we also have earthly empowerment. This is what I was talking about. I love this. He said, I pray that out of the glorious riches, He may strengthen you with the power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long, how deep the love of Christ is for you, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. You know, during our teaching series on, on you know, following Jesus the way, um, I talked about the spiritual disciplines, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And if, if you've forgotten that, I just want to remind you that it is going to be out of those disciplines that were in God's Word. As Crystal was up here talking earlier, I realized that that we're doing something as Bethany Church that maybe some of you ha- aren't doing yet. And that is we're making a commitment to spend time daily in God's Word together. That we're reading the same Scriptures together. That we are, that we are, um, we're journaling together. We have some of these journals available on the way out. But also, this right here, it is a slide. It is who I am in Christ. We've made these available for you, church, on your way out when you head on out that door to your left. I believe single-handedly that if you will spend time reading these scriptures and being reminded of who God says you are, it is going to remind you of this point right here that not only are you, do you have spiritual authority, but you have the empowerment of the God to live your life with an eternal purpose. Would you write that last point down? The last point down, and that is that there's an eternal purpose. Um, scripture says these words that according to his eternal purpose, he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I just want to uh, go.
go back, go back one more slide, if you would, um, to, to that one right there, that in Him, in Christ, in eternal purpose. You see, Jesus came into a divided world and He came to fulfill Scripture. And it ended up costing Him His life. And it wasn't a surprise to Him. See, sometimes we think that Jesus dying on a cross was like plan B. But friends, I need you to know something. It was always plan A. It was always the plan. The plan was always that we would have an eternal opportunity to connect with the King of Kings and the Lords of Lords. And then the last scripture that I want to share with you as uh, the band makes their way in up here. Um, now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine according to His power that is at work within us. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. What church? Amen. See, friends, there is an eternal thing that's happening here in our midst. There's an eternal purpose that God wants to accomplish through His church. And we today are at a crossroads. And the crossroads that we're at today is, is an opportunity to say is, are, are we gonna, are we gonna stay stuck or are we gonna move forward? Are, are we gonna be afraid or are we gonna remember that we have authority in Christ Jesus our Lord? Are we gonna remember that He has empowered us in the heavenly realms? That He has given us a hope that transcends our situations and our circumstances? Friends, God is doing something significant in and through our life. And He's doing it as a, as a, as a body of Christ. Just not Bethany Church, but He's doing it all over our city in some beautiful expressions other places. He's doing it throughout the state of California. I know that sometimes we can look at the state of California and we can be like, oh, it's just a mess. It's all, it's, it's going, it's going you know where. And I, guys, I just need you to know that I believe that as believers, we have the power to change spiritual realities. Do you believe that church? I don't believe that our best days are behind us. I believe if you, if you hold true to the word of God, that God wants to do abundantly more than we could ever hope or imagine. Do you believe that church? I do. I just do what I do. But here's the thing. As Christy mentioned in her prayer, the only way that's going to be possible is if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that you would know that you can approach the throne of God with grace, that you don't need to be afraid that Christ has prepared a way. He's, he's given you, he's broken down the barrier and he's created a bridge through what he's done on the cross. And so if you've not given your life to Jesus Christ, I pray that you would do it today because everything else is going to make sense after that. Would you stand to your feet? Let me pray for you as we have this last song. So Lord God, I pray for us as a church. I pray for those that are watching online that this would just be one of those moments in time, this this moment when when we kind of look back and we, we can say, man, something happened. And what happened was, as we began to see things not as they are, but as they could be. Lord, your word says that we should fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So Holy Spirit, would you empower us to have your eyes to see what you're doing, not only in our midst, but what you're doing around the world. And that, Lord God, we've read the end of the book. We know, Jesus, you win, that we're going to spend eternity with you. I pray that that would infuse our hearts and our lives now in Christ Jesus. That regardless of what's going on in our life, whether it be a personal loss, 
a professional confusion, a relational hurt, God, that we'd be reminded that, God, you can use all things and work all things together for the good, for those of us that are called together for your purpose. Lord God, we love you so much. We're thankful for what you're doing. If there's somebody in here now, whether watching online or here physically with us today that has not yet given their life to you, they've not yet allowed you on the cross to bridge the barrier of their sin, I pray that they would lean into you and they would accept you as Lord and Savior, that they'd be able to live in freedom, empowered by your Spirit, living for a purpose greater than themselves. God, we love you so much. We're so thankful for who you are and what you're doing and what you're going to continue to do. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.